0: The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. All right. So last week we were discussing the conversation regarding uh, humility, and I pointed out that humility is sort of the environment um, and gratitude where you develop, um, you know, wholeness, integrity. You start to move forward as a whole person, and so we 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 uh, came to the conclusion, or I guess I said because I had the microphone. But we came to the conclusion that um, that humility is not disparaging or discounting or, or disowning your abilities and talents and strengths. Humility is fully accessing all of your power, all of your influence, all of your abilities, being fully aware of them, operating at all eight cylinders, your real sweet spot of your life, and then using that to care for others, serve others, and who are less powerful than you. And so we saw that in the scriptures where Jesus in John chapter 13 was uh, fully aware of who, uh, where he came from, so his connection to God, his identity. He had full access to all the power quote, the Father had given him. And then third, he knew his destiny. And then uh, I just love the way that the, it's just written in such a beautiful way um, that at that point he was going to show them the full extent of his love. And so what does, what does love do? Love doesn't consume. That's not love. That's lust. Love serves. Love cares for others. And so we, you know, we, we got through that conversation. And so today we're looking at uh, the topic in the Everything series is power and how uh, continuing this a little bit in a different angle. Uh, power is, is using who you are when you identify your strengths and your talents, but adding wisdom to the mix. Because otherwise, you know, w- without... Without wisdom, you're just kind of a, you're not a good person to be around. And what I mean is that you could be talented, you could be winsome, capable, efficient, but without wisdom, you end up hurting people by accident. And you sometimes make dumb decisions that set you back. So I'm going to give you the punchline uh, up ahead. Uh, wisdom, if those of you who make notes, you, you know, wisdom is simply connecting the dots. It's not a, an accumulation of facts and, and knowledge that way. You know, it's not knowing the answer to when was the War of eighteen twelve fought. You know, it's it's knowing. I thought that was funny in first service. First service, I got, I got a big chuckle. Second service blows. Uh, so wisdom is not like facts and knowledge. Because let's face it, some of you know very educated, knowledgeable people. They're stupid, right? They're not wise. They make dumb decisions. They're essentially operating like a twelve year old. Correct. It's like you're hesitating to admit the fact that you guys know these people, you know. Um, so we're going to look at wisdom, and, and here's the question: then to ask ourselves along the way is, are, are you a person that can generate wisdom in your life? Are you part of a community? Do you have a relationship, or you are, uh, uh, you know, a generator of wisdom? You know how to do the right thing, and if you don't, you know how to get to the place to, to find out how to do the right thing. Are you a self-generator of wisdom? And, and that comes from a few places. There's actually a process. It's not just reading books, so that's helpful. It's not just um, you know exposing yourself to people who are living their life well, though that's extremely helpful. But there has to be sort of a, or a almost a soul environment for that to occur. Now I'm going to suggest, and this is from some of the feedback from some of you, like, you know, well, how do I use, if I know who I am and what I am and what I'm capable of doing, you know, how do I actually live life well, blah, blah, blah. Um, It starts with a few steps. One of them is is, is faithfulness in areas or consistency, which develops a a muscle of perseverance, which creates wisdom. But wisdom in the end is just simply being able to connect the dots. So let's let's go to the scriptures. Uh, We're going to start at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. Jesus is teaching again about living life well. And this is part of the discourse he gives here. He says, hey, um, whoever can be trusted... With very little Can be trusted with much Whoever is dishonest with very little Will be dishonest with much By the way are, are, Have you ever had the thought That if you think if you Oh once I win the lottery I'll, I'll be a generous person I'll help people See the thing is If you're not doing it now You're not going to do it When you win the lottery You know it, it, Because it's, it's the idea Of your pattern With whatever you have Is going to be the same pattern When you have more of it All right Uh, Verse 11, right? Yeah. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with real riches or true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now, this is where this verse is familiar, but maybe you have not seen this in the context. No servant, no person serves two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other, you can't not serve both God and money. And the Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at him, or you know, kind of like disparaging Jesus's remarks. So he said to them, "Look, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of people, but God knows your heart. And whatever is highly valued among people is often detestable in God's sight." So this thing about uh, that, that duality thing—what goes on—is that. Um, Here's what here's what wisdom is not, and here's why some of you, and some of your emails and conversations that we've had, why this is probably happening to you. If you've been the person where you feel like quote I'm coming apart," or feel like I'm going crazy, or you know I I, I got to get my stuff together, um, you know you, you just feel like you don't have things together, is that. You are living a life this way, where you hear things you believe you should be doing, ought to be doing, or right to do, but you live differently. Now, before this gets to be kind of like, it feels like a churchy conversation about, you mm, know, do the right thing. What this means is that it doesn't matter where that standard is. It could be very, very low or very, very high. But whenever you are a person that does not live according to what your core beliefs or your values are, you begin to split yourself. This is why, for some of you who have been involved in church for many years, maybe your parents took you to church, and, and you know, I, I think I've told you my, told you my story. My, my kids grew up in church, and I know some of you guys have grown up in church. But for a while, once you were able to make your own decisions, you left the church. The reason has been, maybe in many cases, um, is that you saw what ought to have been done, and either you weren't doing it, or the people who had charge and responsibility over your lives weren't doing it, and you thought, if that's it, I'm not doing it. I, and I get that. So, you begin to hate the one and you go to the other. So, what ends up happening is that if you've been identifying or been part of a lifestyle that's a little bit dark or unhealthier, or in fact, it could be almost neutral, but it wasn't what you believed you ought to have been doing, you'll then click to the one that is more in tune to what you are. You begin to hang on to that, love that. It's not sustainable. So, whether you are in a religious environment because of school or a community, However, you're, you know, whatever it might be, if you have an ideal and you're not living up to it, it's not sustainable. Sooner or later something snaps and it's your head, it's your soul because you're splitting yourself in part. It really is, um, it's like a spiritual self injury. You are hurting yourself by living inconsistent. And I'm going to say something here that actually may sound odd. I, I would tell you if you're going to be on the fence at some level either embrace what you feel is not right and move on and find out that maybe it's not what you want but to try to sit in between the two worlds and keep them compartmentalized we're not, we're not just not built that way you can't sustain that kind of mental spiritual juggling in your head so Part of faithfulness is actually living consistent to what you believe is right to do. Now, I think part of what what makes this difficult for us is that, okay, first of all, in in God's culture, God's ethos, is that uh, people are so much more of value that I will, you know, trust you with stuff. And if you are faithful and consistent with stuff and things and money, then you're probably capable of caring for, managing, uh, and serving people. In many cases, outside of spiritual communities, what, what's of more value is stuff and money, resources. So, if you're in charge of, they'll put people in charge of people who have no character, no wisdom, no business being in charge of people, are brutal, are careless. And it, but if you turn in good numbers at the end of the quarterly report, yeah, you, you must be doing a good job. So now you get in charge of money or materials. And it's just kind of a backward way of thinking. So, at least in God's estimation, what should matter more. To people who are claiming to be his followers, is people and how we manage that. So a good indication of who you are as a person, in in God's estimation, is how well you maintain and value relationships, uh, not just your stuff. So even if you're a good money manager, if you're really really fit, you know, um, you're highly organized and clean, awesome, well done. But if your relationships seem to be kind of you know kind of crumbly and inconsistent and, you know, you you look back over the history of your lives or the horizon of your life and you look back there and you go, wow, you know, I have a lot of broken relationships or things that are not finished. That's an indication that perhaps there's some area of brokenness that's not not quite healthy. Faithfulness faithfulness starts with just doing the the, the thing you believe you ought to do over and over again. There's a consistency involved. But that doesn't mean just consistency and mindless, mind-numbing work, which... It's not unlike working in a call center. Any anybody who worked in a call center, anybody want to talk? Okay, I, I did it for ten years. Uh, it was uh, it was either that or uh, you know Chino prison, and so I chose the call center. <laughs> it felt like Chino, man. It was bad, and I spent two years. I volunteered in the Spanish unit, so uh, you know, trying to pick up the skills of speaking Spanish. Bueno, gracias por llamarte. You know, and that kind of thing. A-t-t. and so um, there was a, you know, it, and it, it, it was mind-numbing, and so it doesn't feel like you have an opportunity to be creative and artsy, because there's a policy, there's a program, there's a limit, you've got to get to the calls, say this, that, that, da-do-do-do-do. and so in some cases, you have to be a, a, a person who can put meaning into your work, because consistency in something that you don't value just creates bitterness. For example, I I recall this conversation with my wife who, um, you know, she was a a capable person. She was in university, pre-med. I met her, I was unemployed and in the hospital after self-injury, and uh, she left that to marry me. So, you know, I guess I must have had some kind of game going on at the time, but uh, long since gone. And then... um, (laughs) So uh, so so we get married. She changes her name. We move into an apartment. Uh, we were across the street from my parents, and and, and she just felt like I lost myself. Like I, I didn't have. And then we had kids right away. She recalls that when she was quote the housewife and, and we homeschooled because it was the eighties. You know we were Christian, so you had to do it. And then um, just a light bulb away from being Amish, and uh, it, she said it, I, she felt like she had kind of lost a little bit of her identity or worth, and so she had to find the meaning and the value of being a mom caring for children. And and she found something very beautiful and lovely in the moment. And so she was able to develop not just consistency and duty, which again can be bitter, but faithfulness and something that that meant it had meaning. If you are a manager, a, a supervisor, a CEO, you have to be able to tell the folks that you are leading what they're doing has meaning and why it has meaning for them to be able to be faithful in something that actually is generative in a positive way. Otherwise, again, like I said before, if you just do something consistently because you feel like you have to or you should out of duty, it leads to bitterness almost all the time. So Jesus, and in this particular case, um, faithfulness, just doing something consistently over and over again, Begins to uh, begin to exercise the muscle of perseverance, and let me say one last thing on this subject before I move on to perseverance. Um, anybody here a nail biter, willing to admit it? Okay, you and I, and, and who else? You guys? Actually, you, you could just raise your hand. I could see it. Um, <laughs> oh! yeah. You know, do uh, you remember the times? Because I, I do this. Remember the times you would bite it and it's bleeding? See, those of you who don't bite your nails, don't judge. Really, don't judge. Don't judge. But those of us who do bite our nails, you know the ones like when when there's a little bit of white and there's like four or five fingers? It's like Thanksgiving. (laughs) I know you guys think that's weird, but those of you who bite your nails, you you get that. Because, I I mean, I've had that habit since... um, My mom tells me I used to bite my toenails. (laughs) I was 17. I don't recall that. (laughs) That's an ugly picture. But, uh, so, I, I recall getting to the point where I was thinking, okay, and as you know, you never break a habit. You just replace it, right? Okay, so I had a friend who I was sharing this with. He goes, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, have you thought of doing something with your hands instead of that? You know, I said, well, okay, so I discovered, oh, I discovered manicures. Oh, man. Listen, guys, if you don't get manicures and pedicures... You're, you're missing a whole... There's, a, there's a, a level of beauty you are not experiencing in your life, especially when they do the massage thing. I'm like a cat. <laughs> but, you know, you don't want to go all the time. So I, I, I bought the file thing, and, and there was this uh, semi-gloss uh, nail polish. Hey, wait, 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 it gets worse. It's called manicure, the big M, because it was like the male product. But in the end, let's say, you're just painting your nails. So, you know... So I would, I would find that if I try to maintain my nails instead of bite them, it was like a different habit. All right. So um, what I'm trying to point out is that when you commit to, okay, I'm going to stop biting my nails, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to stop cussing, I'm going to you know, start eating healthy. Well, well, usually about an hour before you break that, right? <laughs> and here's what happens. And this is where it, it, when it's dark. Okay, I'm going to stop consuming porn. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop, you know, and, and then you quote, Do the thing all over again, but what we do sometimes, and what happens, is that we identify with that habit, and we make that an identifier. I'm a person that consumes porn. Uh, I'm a nail biter. Uh, You follow? And we don't celebrate the small steps of faithfulness. And this is why it's it's so powerful to have. uh, As I was sharing Thursday here at Elements, that there's a trust the power of community, and the power of truth. To be celebratory with you in those small steps, because maybe today it's an hour, and the next day after a while you you can go a day and a half, or a week or a month, whatever it might be. Right? It's just like with uh, with addicts and A A N A C A, whatever. Right? What is it? One day at a time. And sometimes let's face it, for us it's been a minute at a time or an hour at a time. And so as faithfulness to uh, to you know good. Healthy traits in your life, spiritual traits, mental traits, emotional traits, leads to longer and longer strides and moments of faithfulness until one day you wake up and you wonder, how did I get to be this person? When I think about my life, uh, how violent and out of control it was, uh, it's surprising. I recall, uh, boy, I recall lying in bed next to my wife one, one morning and she said, you know, I just never thought I could ever love you again. Uh, you are not the same person. And it. it, it it was surprising to realize I had changed, but it wasn't like this. You know, well, there was a big transformation, freedom thing that happened in my head, but but it was you know steps towards that, and then all of a sudden you become that person that you want to become. Most of us want this this huge Damascus Road, miraculous boom moment, without any effort, without any work, and if we don't have that then like the scriptures teach in Proverbs, that hope deferred makes the heart sick, you end up almost hating God for it. Or you hate yourself for it. Or you go back to identifying with the darkness that you were doing. So faithfulness is, 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 you know, it's just doing the right thing on a consistent basis until it becomes the right thing in your life normally. Perseverance. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 34. So let's turn there. Deuteronomy 34. 34 verse 5 says this And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. The Lord buried Moses in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, between verse 8 and 9, I'm going to read to you what happened. You know how I. I, I always, here's what I find more, more interesting in stories. It's not in this point and this point. What I love about stories is the gap in between the stories, the, the, the spaces in between. That's more interesting to me. So what's more interesting to me in this story is what happened between verses 8 and 9. And I can tell you, because it happens to be in the scriptures this time, as opposed to me making it up as I go. Uh, Go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, get ready, life-changing information, Moses is dead. I just find that humorous, I guess, because, you know, not that Moses died, but that Moses was dead, so God told him, what? Moses is dead. But I think this is why he was telling Joshua, Moses is dead. Potentially a million to two million people out in the wilderness. I mean, this is Moses, right? Moses is dead. Charlton Heston is gone. I mean, what? How can I follow Chuck, you know? I think Joshua had that moment where where Moses had laid his hands on him and prayed for him and got wisdom, but that doesn't mean he got courage. And he had a copy of the scriptures. And I think he was leaving, personally. I think he was off by himself going, oh my gosh, how do I follow that act? Uh, how many of you guys know who Erwin McManus is? We, we should. Okay, good. A handful of us. Awesome. Um, okay, you know, he's a pretty good speaker, right? He's okay. So... Um, we were at Fuller, we were both teaching, and uh, so I get there uh, at my appointed time to teach the class, and then I find out he's before me. It's like one of those moments. And so he's speaking, and, and I, oh, who's speaking after Irwin? You are. <laughs> That's not fair. You know? Is there... So it's, it's one of those moments where the, the guy that you really respect, who does it really, really well, and you're supposed to follow that. See, a lot of you, you're great at number two. You are perfect at the number two spot. You love the power of being number two in an organization because it doesn't have the responsibility of being number one. So you 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 luxuriate in your number two spot. You're the gatekeeper. You're the person. If someone wants to get to number one, they have to get to you. But now Moses is... The servant of the Lord is dead, and God is telling... I mean, I, I think Joshua is maybe leaving. Maybe he's like, how, how am I going to do this? And God has to come to him and say, look, dude, Moses is dead. These people need to be led and cared for. Drop down to verse 6 for just a moment. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people in, to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers, to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave them. Do not turn from it from the right or the left... That you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law this is why I think he had the scriptures depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything in it. Then you will have then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And, and just thinking in terms of how God speaks and directs and manages humanity, um, he wouldn't say, don't be terrified and don't be discouraged, unless Joshua was terrified and discouraged. And uh, to step into that moment is probably a big deal for him. But for some of you, you're in the same spot. You've been faithful for a while. And God's moving you to maybe a different level of, of, of life. And, and even if you don't identify yourself as a follower, you've been... When you when you do the right thing on a regular basis, you, you're just it just seems like life begins to open up opportunities for you. And because it takes courage to step into the next level, because you know when you're when you're comfortable doing something, you know how to do it, you got it wired, people come to you to know how to tell you to ask you how to get things done, and now you gotta learn a whole nother whole thing to do. It's a little dissettling. And um, I think that's where Joshua was. So you start with faithfulness. You move to perseverance. And this is why I think some people don't get past this, because this is the second stage where many folks, uh, if they don't get past this hump, they don't develop the, the generative environment to create wisdom. Many of us have said, I want to be healthy, I want to move on in my life, I want to no longer have this habit of whatever it might be. Okay, But if it gets awkward or hard, you Stop. And you just... Man, it was going to be hard. (laughs) Just so there's no mistake any longer, let me me share something with you that that might be a secret or might have been surprising. If you plan to do anything that's healthy and and good in your life, it's just going to be hard. (laughs) This is why many people don't do it. Because if it was easy, we all would do it. So we know the parallel, right? If you want to lose weight... You want to work out what 's that what 's the hot yoga thing with the warm room? How do you pronounce it Bikram Bikram whatever that yoga thing right you want to get limber it, it 's hard I mean it, 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 we understand it in the physical realm, but somehow in the spiritual realm, we just think it 's just, just sort of happen it doesn 't just happen there 's intentional thought given to managing your spiritual life and, don't, and i, I don 't want to disparage this and make it just sort of a a human effort there is an energy and a power and, a, and God's spirit who invades your soul and in, and empowers you to to finish and complete all that, but in the end, it requires some intentional thought so I usually I think this is what happens to people they stop because it, it got to be a problem. The other reason why I think people stop is because in some cases people are just fragile now this isn't a judgment or a reaction it's just a reality so let me give you um let me give you metaphors I think will work. Anybody here garden? Do? Okay, awesome. You do? Oh, awesome. All right. I, okay, I like gardens. I get gardens. I just won't never garden. You know, I just just don't, you know. It's not me. I mean, it, I have a negative emotional thing with it, you know. Every Saturday with your mom and dad out there in the garden. No bueno, you know. I wanted to be inside dusting, you know, cleaning. That was my, with the chiffon and pearls. I mean, I... I love cleaning. I have a, a, an unhealthy proclivity towards cleaning products. I mean, you know, it, when the TV's on and there's a commercial for cleaning products. What's that? What's that what's it, Swiffer? What is that Swiffer thing? What did I do? All right. So, any rate, um, you know how, how flowers are, are very beautiful. They can be. Some of them when they blossom, but they're also very fragile, and they have certain care and environments, and, and so. But when they blossom, oh, you know, they're just gorgeous. Then there's grass. Grass, you walk on it, dogs poop on it, right? It's still grass. You still have to mow that dang thing, right? It, it, how can you kill this grass, you know? Uh, there, there's trees. Trees seem to be very adaptable, and depending on the environment, trees adapt to the environment, right? There's various kinds of trees, and they just fit into the environment that they grow into. See, I think people are like that in many ways. Sometimes the most uh, lovely, beautiful traits in people are so fragile, they need the right environment and the right care for it to really blossom. Others, others of you, you're like grass. You're just going to grow. You, know, you don't need minimal, you, don't, you need a whole lot of care. You're just going to do the right thing. You're just, you're just that kind of person. And some of you are maybe like trees where you, you can adapt in any kind of environment and you flourish. But for people who, who give up and, and maybe are, don't have the care that they need, again, this is what I was mentioning on Thursday night. Trust the power of community and the power of relationships to have the environment to bring out the best in you. See in Philippians chapter three, where, where Paul reminds people like you know to, to to be with a community of people who are like minded. Listen, all of us are goofy, right? Come on, we, we're all we're just all of us are a freaking mess, right? We we can kid ourselves like oh you know I'm a solid believer, okay, awesome, but you know we're we're all a freaking mess. We are just things are wrong in our lives and and, and uh, you know what I know some of you are pushing back and no I'm not I, okay you're the guy you have arrogance and so um uh. But what happens is that in the community, we all encourage each other. So when someone is tired, someone else encourages. When someone has a question, someone has a life story. When someone is confused, this person brings clarity. You follow? And the body works together. That is the power of community and the power of relationships. Um, and if, if I can encourage you to do anything this Sunday morning, is to trust that. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to read every Maxwell book that's out there or every Irwin's book out there. If you live in a healthy community with in healthy relationships, you are just a better person. You guys are discovering that, right? Um, and so, when you're both in, the, uh, or when you're in a group where people are, tend to move in the same direction, they can help you along. So, faithfulness, perseverance. You celebrate the small steps. You, you're encouraged by a community. You're motivated by a community. And, uh, and then eventually, you're the person that experiences wisdom. You're in, a, you're in a generative ability to generate wisdom in your life. Now, here's what wisdom does. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. This collection of axioms and, and sayings are meant to be guideposts for life. So if, if you're, listen, if you're looking to gain some wisdom... You do yourself a favor by reading the book of Proverbs, but here's the reason why we should. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, don't forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. They will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over it with new wine. My son, do not despise... The Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Remember to verse 13. Blessed is a man who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. Why? For she's more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and her paths are peace so there's the, see, the, the benefit of wisdom or being in a place where you can generate wisdom in your life is not just, you know, you get the, you get the clever comeback in every argument. Um, you just seem to know what to do. Now here, as I said earlier, uh, wisdom is connecting the dots. Here's how I can tell you if you're not a wise person. All right? If you're a person, you come to a moment in your life good or bad well, usually it's bad because we don't care about good because when we get into a good sweet spot we just think oh I deserve this or, I, I'm, I'm clever, of course life works this way for me you know, that's why you've heard me say you learn nothing when, when things are going well rare that you learn things when things are going well Okay, so you come to a bad place in your life broken relationship, tight finances career things not going the way you wanted to whatever it might be, you come to a tough place If you're the kind of person that says, how did I get here? You're not wise. You're just not. You know why? Because a wise person would say, oh, that's right. I made these decisions a year ago. I did this three years ago. I did that six months ago. Wisdom is connecting the dots. If you arrive at a place and you don't know how you got there, guess what? You're probably going to get there again and again and again, because you don't know how you got there in the first place, so you don't know what to avoid. And, and by the way, um, boy, I can remember this. Um, there was a number of promotions that I, I, I didn't quite you know access. Um, how many have been to San Francisco? Anybody love the city? Don't you love the city? I never had a bad meal in San Francisco. I did work for a company, uh, AT&T, where uh, I would fly up on weekends and work during the week and come home and do all that. Um, Stayed at the Hilton there, right behind Market, near the Nordstrom Shopping Center. Like, I'm at the Hilton by Nordstrom, you know. Um, Could life get any better? So I I had the housing. I had a per diem and any expenses, like the taxi or whatever, you know, was covered. And they paid me to work there, you know, on top of all that. And then fly me home so the opportunity came and they said well listen we're spending this money to bring you up here what if you live up here and we'll just take this position so I had to apply for it I didn't get the promotion so then my, my second level manager pulls me aside trying to do me a favor <laughs> idiot I was tries to do me a favor and says hey I want to let you know why you didn't get the promotion I thought oh okay you come across very arrogant my first thing out of my mouth was that oh should I be should I you know, be dumber for other people to feel more comfortable around me And then he said, and there it is. <coughs> and I actually thought, what? What, what, what? I might as well just have said that. Uh, last year, I uh, was taking some time reassessing some life stuff and you know, did the whole life assessment. So I did the dental thing did the doctor thing, you know, check for cancer, diabetes, which runs in my family. And, and you know, I don't know why it is that professionals are, like medical professionals, they're like children now. Where, where's the old gray-haired doctors nowadays, you know? And, and I love it when they say, a oh, man of your age, and you know, shut off, you know, I can s- s- still take you, you in your little white coat, <laughs> MD, me, doctor, you know, um... And then I did, the, did some strength assessments again, some temperament assessments, and then I did this thing that was really horrible. It's called the Berkman assessment. The Berkman was, uh, you know, it's supposed to point out your weaknesses. I thought, well, it's just going to be a paragraph of that, you know. Uh, reams and reams of paper. And, um, and so I was told um, by the person who was actually paid for it, for me to go through this process, that, hey, you're probably going to push back on some of this stuff. You're not going to like what you hear. I said, well, is it about me? Yeah, I'll probably like it. And then so... Um, because, right, you're, you're, you always are your favorite subject. So one of the measurements was the idea of self-esteem. It measures from 2 to 99. 2 being the lowest, 99 being the highest. So I and another fella get 2. And, the, and, and this is, a, by the way, this is the group of leaders from Mosaic. So I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm not emotionally crippled. Uh, the next highest was in the high 30s, and then generally everybody else was in the 60s. So the person who's, who's coming down from, I forget what state they were in, Some loser state. Anyway, some state they came over, (laughs) was on the coast. So anyway, so came came from some other state, and it was explaining what this means. And I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't. I'm not a two. Oh no, no, this, this doesn't mean you have a low self-esteem. It means it's way off the chart. Okay, can you unwrap that for me? And and then my friend says, you're not going to like this. I thought, all right. What this means is that it says that you think you're right most of the time. So I'm thinking, that's a healthy trait. And, he points out, you think you know more than everyone else. Again, healthy trait. And, uh, what if I do? And so, um, (laughs) 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 so, oh man. So then, he said, and further there's further because you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done with the journey right here you know. Um, further it also says that you generally even in an environment where you're asking to be taught and trained you believe you know more than the trainer I, without even thinking I said that's not true and he said just like my boss said years ago it was like echo and there it is there's what? boom! <laughs> see Wisdom is, is the idea of, of, of connecting the dots. And all of a sudden, with that assessment and being honest with myself, I went back like, oh my gosh, that's what, what was going on in my life. And if you get to a place where you don't know why you're always coming up to the same problem, huh, I'll put it this way. If you get the same problem over and over again, like you seem to be dating the same kind of creepy person, Okay, one or two options. Either you are like a creepy person magnet. <laughs> right? Some of our souls can be that damaged. They, 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 tune, they tune that way. They do. Or you are just a person that's attracted to that kind of darkness. Right? Now, see, wisdom would tell you which one. If you're always a person, that you always seem to be like you're in that financial problem to get again. Okay, either money hates you Or perhaps you have an issue with money being identified with your emotional self-worth and other issues. You follow? I mean, so if if you're coming to the same thing over and over again, it's probably you. But by the same token, and I've had this happen once or twice here at Mosaic. You just say the same thing over and over again. Okay. Is it possible that God's not having any other conversation with you because you're not listening to the one he wants to have with you? I mean, that that possibility does exist. Um, Or maybe I I am a one-trick pony. But I tend to think that maybe if that's all you're hearing, is that perhaps God, in his kindness, understand this, in his kindness, he's trying to have a conversation with you that you're refusing to have. And he's not going to have another one until you have this one. Wisdom is... Understanding the relationship between your actions and decisions and the effects. All right, let me I'll close with this another uh, five minutes. We're going to read another big block of Scripture here. So go to Romans 12 for just a moment. Talk a little bit more about the community. As Paul's habit, in all of his letters, he writes um, uh, some theology. He explains things. He addresses some church issues. And then in the, in the last part of his letters, he'll always uh, uh, explain how to live that out practically. Here's the application. Here's how you do this. Here's, here's how you do this theology I just shared with you. Okay, so Romans 12, through, through in Romans, 1 through 8, theology, how to live, who you are, some of the crises that happen in, in your life. In fact, it's almost like a mini Bible. By the way, I know that we give people the book of John when they're brand new followers, because that's easy to understand, right? You know, in the beginning was the Word was with God, the Word was God. Oh, yeah, that's clear. Yeah. And then it's, like, it's almost like John gets lost for like 10, 15 verses. Oh, and by the way, the Word, because that's easy to follow. But Romans 1 through 8 is actually a, probably a clearer understanding of from beginning of creation until Jesus enters your life, your, your story can be found in God's story there. And then in verses, chapters 9, 10, and 11, he talks about uh, his, God's people, Israel, their, their past state, their present state, their future state. But then in 12, he wraps his arms around all of his teaching and his talks and says, now here's how you live it out in the community. So that's what Romans 12 starts. Romans 12, uh, verse 1, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment or clear or accurate judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. That's a power of community, power of friendships and relationships. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So if a person's gift is prophesying, let them prophesy in proportion to their faith. If it is serving, let them serve. If it is teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them contribute generously. If it's leadership, let them govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. See, so none of us can really say, I don't have, any, I don't have a talent. I don't have, I don't have anything I do. I'm not an artist. I don't sing. I'm, you know, every part of the community has an important role to the health of the body overall. And as soon as somebody walks in new, they changed us forever you added a new element into our community. And Paul goes on. Verse 9. Love must be sincere. So hate what's evil and cling to what's good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop for just a moment because I think this is maybe unclear for some of us. Some of you have friendships and you think in your head, well, you know, my friend needs, needs my influence. Like you, You're like this God influence in their life but the truth is you're in the relationship because you like the darkness of it and the only thing that's attracting you in this in some cases is the darkness um, so this is why what it says love must be sincere is that sometimes we're not, really, we're not even really honest with ourselves and we, we, you know, we, we're not clear on our own motivation but sometimes we're in a relationship that really you're not helping them connect to God you're actually a hurdle for them connecting to God hate what's evil cling to what's good be devoted to one another in brotherly love honor one another above yourselves never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord be joyful in hope patient in affliction faithful in prayer share with God's people who are in need practice hospitality bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay evil. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace of everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, "It is mine to avenge; I will repay," says the Lord. So on the contrary if your enemy is hungry feed them if they are thirsty give them something to drink and in doing this you will heap burning coals on their head verse 21 so he kind of sums up the whole chapter don't be overcome with evil overcome evil with good here's the community insight thing and we're going to close in a few minutes Um, I think most of us are okay with mourning with people who mourn you know like you know, Chris if somebody died in your family I've known you since you were a kid you know, if something happened to your brother, your parents, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm reacting emotionally. What if that was quick? You know, we, we, we would feel it with you, right? On the other hand, if you won the lottery, I would hate you at some level. You know, it's like, why didn't I win the lottery? you just a goofy kid. You know, I'm not, I'm not really. You follow? That's how we are, right? If someone doesn't get, oh, I didn't get that job promotion. Oh man, I'm sorry. That's, oh man. Then they get, oh, I got the job promotion. Ah, I thought, you know. Mourning with people that mourn, that's not hard. It's the rejoicing that's a little bit more of a challenge. Right? Oh I lost my house, I gotta move into an apartment. Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm moving into a larger house and it's like twice the size of yours. Oh awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned that I think we learn very little when, when things are going well in our lives, and we learn more when we're in mourning. Do not waste the opportunity. It, it'll become just a cheap cheap experience. If you are in a, a place of mourning, where, um, you know, you, disappointment, uh, heartbreak, a setback, um, that's the perfect time to ask yourself honestly the question. It just takes a little courage, because you know, you know, it's like being examined. Did I have a role in this? Is this pattern part of my life because of decisions that I make? Is this a condition of my soul? See, a person without wisdom is, is, it will be surprised at what happens to them. How did, it, how did this happen? A person with wisdom understands I'm here because I did this in the past. And they connect the dots. So your life should not be a surprise to you. If it is, I mean, I love you guys, but if you're in a moment of surprise right now, whether things are well or things are bad, you're not wise. And success and tragedy will come as happenstances. You'll never know when you're going to have either one, because you're not connecting the dots. I'm going to pray and dismiss with you guys, so let, let's Wisdom is a huge huge value in our lives. You have to be able to learn how to generate that and be, and be in a community that generates that in an environment that generates that. If you don't know how to generate that, follow the scriptures. And if you don't know how you got to where you are, you're not a person that's wise and this is a good place to start. Utilize the times of mourning to ask yourself those questions. Where, What have I done to get to this place? How, how am I damaged? Um, what have I done? What, what has been done to me that I? You know what? We get to a place where we're so damaged, we prefer abuse than healthy living. Have you noticed that? You actually prefer abuse. You prefer what's painful than what's healthy because it just feels more natural. You're, you're just not in a good place. No matter who you are, believer or not, You're not in a good place if you tend to prefer unhealthy life. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.